Welcome in everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network, and you can find great coverage of all of the Big 12 teams over at 1012network.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I'd also like to remind you, this show is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. We've only got a few weeks left. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered. Christmas is right around the corner, so you can get all of your collegiate apparel needs covered and you can get 15 percent off any non-sale item by using the code 10 12 15 that's t-e-n 1 2 1 5 at checkout shop today over at charliehustle.com charlie hustle vintage made fresh my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who's put some cougar ghosts to bed kyle carpenter kyle how are you uh back-to-back cougars um that's you know that's nice. It's nice for Texas. Nice to uh, mix it up a little with a different cat. We'll talk about the Wildcats this week. But yeah, cougars, um, and specifically uh, cougars that, that live on hills, Taysom Hills. No, Gerald, um, I wasn't sure if you wow. if you were going BYU intro, intro or ghost for Halloween, but you really kind of hit both. Um, what's your Halloween costume, Gerald? Uh, my Halloween costume is a father of three. <laughs> uh, no, so we, uh, we are doing, we're going to do a family costume situation uh my my son my oldest son is very into the new mario brothers movie yeah so um he is mario my middle child is luigi and my youngest um we couldn't find a solid budget friendly yoshi costume for him (laughs) so he's just a generic dinosaur good Uh, i was going to we we couldn't decide i was going to be bowser initially (laughs) but he didn't want me to be a bad guy so we initially going to go to donkey kong but that's problematic so uh we just decided that my wife and i were just going to not dress up this year fair enough fair enough um with no kids uh, and still, you know, if, if you have those those bomb Halloween parties, send those invites. No place to really show it off. Uh, my wife and I will save the uh, Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston bodyguard costume uh, for next year. Um, I've been threatening her that we should do this for the past five years. I, of course, would be Whitney. Um, but no, we, uh, <laughs> we, we have no costume. But uh, I like yours. I like the, the kids. It's adorable. I need to see pictures of those. Um, I do kind of wish you would have been Bowser, but that's okay. That's that's neither here, here nor there. If you all don't do Grace Jones and Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan, you're missing it. <laughs> I'm just saying, your wife, your your wife is beautiful. I don't want I don't want it to be weird. Uh, but anywho, we're not here to talk about Halloween costumes or how Kyle and I both vastly outkicked our coverage. We're here to talk about BYU outkicking their coverage as Texas blasts them 35 to 6, kicked off by a big Xavier worthy special teams touchdown down the 40. Uh, a lot of winning happening on campus for Texas and 
We'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So the Longhorns take care of business against BYU. Exercise some demons to keep it Halloween themed. 35 to 6. After a shaky start from Malik Murphy, the defense kept things in check for Texas. But Malik Murphy finished the game. 16 to 25 for 170 and two touchdowns after throwing after starting the game it was like three of eight for uh, 24 yards and an interception. So turning the game around, Jonathan Brooks did Jonathan Brooks things as well. Um, I like. There's a lot we could talk about the offense here. I think Malik Murphy is probably a big question, but big co- topic of conversation. But we really like the defense was. Felt like it was back to form. BYU is the cure for the common defense, I think. Um, But, you know, the Texas defense, when we talk about Malik Murphy turning the ball over, the fact that the defense was able to respond the way they did makes me feel really good um, about their, their chances and what Texas can do for the next couple of weeks. If... Malik Murphy continues to struggle. The defense uh, is good enough to keep things afloat, I think. Yeah, I mean, this this was a return to form and, and maybe even an elevation of what we've seen from the defense. We've seen some really good performances, but um, through a few quarters, this looked like, you know, one of those, oh man, the off years when Texas has a great defense and no offense to back it up. And we'll, we'll talk about the offense. It wasn't, you know, that bad, but uh, there were multiple points where it's just like, hey, come on, do something for your defense. Like, come on, they're, they're doing a lot for you here. Hey, you threw an interception. They went and got another interception. They they probably dropped three additional interceptions on Keaton Slovis. Um, they were all over that guy. Um, a, a non, I said it in our preview, and you know, a stationary quarterback is a great thing for for Texas. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they were breaking on balls. They were aggressive. They were sure tackling. They were smothering everything as you as we said in the preview, and we estimated that BYU could not for the life of them run the football um you know they 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 really did everything and they the three turnovers you know um again don't don't tell the entire story it's the three and outs it's the uh smothering the good field position I mean they just set the offensive up offense up for for success it didn't always uh happen the way we wanted it to but um but yeah I mean this was a defensive performance for the ages. It was a time when Texas made another team, a five-win team, a team five and two, a good record. Um, just look out match. Look like they didn't belong on the field. When it was Texas's defense versus BYU's offense, it looked for the first time all season, that's including Rice and uh, Wyoming and anyone else, um, they just made them look like they didn't belong out there for four straight quarters. They did not. They I, I Really, the defense uh, was smothering, suffocating, um, I couldn't come up with another S word, but it's fine. Uh, but you know, I mentioned how they responded to, to the short fields and the turnovers when Malik Murphy threw an interception, what did the Texas defense do? Oh wait, they went out and got the ball back, right? They responded with the Terrence Brooks interception when Malik Murphy fumbled the ball, uh, when he probably should have just ate it and went down. What did the defense do? bowed up, only gave up a field goal and allowed the offense to, uh, really write itself. I think there's a big, um, there's something to be said about a defense that can respond. And we, we've had some questions the last couple of weeks, you know, the Houston game is a bit of an, I don't want to call it an anomaly. Cause I think there are some legitimate issues, but I also think, uh, when you're down to your 
17th string safety, um, then there are things that, uh, you know, there are mitigating circumstances there. But uh, the way the defense responded, the way that we continue to see guys like Justice Finkley flash, you know, Byron Murphy and Tervandre Sweat were who that you could set your watch to them. I think they were the pro football focus's top two graded defensive tackles in the conference um, and really absolutely dominated that BYU rushing uh, attack. Like, you know, the, the defense, uh, you mentioned like the, I, I think back to, um, you know, the years where it was like you know, the, the late Charlie Strong, early Tom Herman, where the defense was way better than the offense. And it's like, just it, it's it's a bad dating situation where it's like, just leave him, just leave him, just get away. <laughs> um, but no, like, so I think the defense looked the part um, and did everything they could to keep Texas in this game as Malik Murphy figured it out. Um, and he did figure it out. You know, he had that disastrous start, but finished the day. Uh, completing 13 of his last 18 passes for uh, like almost 150 yards in both of his touchdowns. Um, you know, he and A.D. Mitchell or Adonai Mitchell clearly have um, some sort of connection. You know, Adonai Mitchell was his favorite. Well, I say not his favorite target. He targeted Xavier Worthy more, but he and Adonai Mitchell connected um, more than, than he and Worthy did. And, you know, part of it was, I think, um, BYU's concerted effort to not let Xavier Worthy beat them, but Xavier Worthy made a concerted effort of his own mm. to beat BYU. And so um, it was an absolutely incredible uh, game from him and, and from uh, Texas finding a way to get it done in spite of all of those things. Yeah, I think the stat is 25 of Adonai Mitchell's 29 catches this season have gone for either a touchdown or a first down. The guy continues to be clutch. You continue to see why he was brought here. Um, it was crazy that Jonathan Brooks was not only the leading rusher, but the leading receiver as well in this one. Um not by anyone's fault. Uh, short fields, um, you know, there was some decision-making on some fourth downs, whether you go for the field goal or not, that we, we probably should talk about and not just let slide. But, you know, just to highlight, you know, BYU pin their ears back on defense. They're an aggressive defense. We knew that. We said, you know, in our preview, this is a team that, if they're in this game, it's because of the turnover. It's because they make plays and, oh, you know, by the way, you have a, a freshman or excuse me, a first time starting quarterback um, in Malik Murphy getting there and BYU you know, did what you would expect them to do. Create pressure throws, bring constant pressure, run blitz. So hopefully, you know, he has to throw Sark, you know, to his credit, came out and showed a lot of confidence in Malik Murphy. Just said, we're going to throw the ball. Boom, boom, boom. Would have liked to run a little sooner to settle things down. But, um, you know, for the most part, Malik looked looks good, right? Looks like a, a guy who had a lot of pressure. Some of his mechanics break down when he's throwing off his back foot, when he has pressure around him. It felt like the running game, um, you know, helped him out when he didn't have to just worry about um, four dudes in his face, right? Like it, it, it did feel like they got more pressure than I would have liked to see, um, especially early on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's growing pains. I think some of the throws he did make, you saw uh, an incredible catch by JT Sanders early on, but Malik Murphy made the throw out of uh, basically pressure out of a sack uh, and was still able to muscle it down the field 15 or 20 yards, you know, with no legs whatsoever. You just see the strength that he has in his arm and, and again, a little better protection uh, and definitely, uh, definitely a little better uh, decision-making on his part of just you don't have to win every play, that freshman thing we've said about every single freshman quarterback in the history of the school. Um, but, you know, you can take a sack, you can throw it away, you can do those things, uh, but you don't have to win every single play. I think once he gets that mentality and, and cuts down a little bit on the turnovers, which both uh, – 
uh, came on pressure plays when when he had someone in his face and he just kind of threw it up once and fumbled it once. Um, I think it's good to build on. You saw the building blocks there of what this can be. They didn't need it. They didn't need the offense for him to go out and throw for 300 yards. They didn't need, you know, Technically, I think if they uh, they take the field goals on the times that they didn't, uh, I think this would have been the highest point scoring game of the season. So, um, you know, they they were there thereabouts where they've been all year. Yeah, I mean, um, we could mention the the you mentioned the field goals and in Texas's ability to not uh, do that. I'm I'm starting to wonder. I don't I don't want to say that Sark needs to give up play calling, right? Because like I think there's part of like part of why and Steve Sarkeesian mentioned it, right? Like you don't, you didn't hire me for the analytics. You hired me for me. And so um, I think there's some truth to that, but I also wonder if um, he needs just like a no person, someone to just say no, or someone to um, theoretically check him. Cause like, I don't necessarily like a couple of weeks ago, the issue was uh, Texas, you know, going for it on fourth down. And I said it that like, I didn't mind Texas going for it on fourth down against Houston rather than taking the points, right? I didn't like the play call. I thought Texas going for going for it um, against OU was the right choice. I just didn't like the play call. If you need five yards or five yards or less, you've got Jonathan freaking Brooks back there. Like, why take the ball out of his hands? Why take the ball out of your quarterback's hands? Why is Burt Auburn your best athletic option to convert on a fourth down? And so um, I think he he... Um, I, I think there's just, there needs to be a question or somebody that can really push him on some of those decisions. And I know those decisions are ultimately the head coach's decision. Um, but I wonder if there's someone or something that can help him modulate back. Cause I think Steve Sarkeesian, uh, has the smart guy problem that we saw from Tom Herman. I don't think it's as bad as Tom Herman, but sometimes I think he just overthinks it, um, and makes things more complicated than they should be. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. I, I think you know. I think there's a confidence. Um, a certain level can be attributed to you know. I want to see my team go out there and succeed. I'm giving them that vote of confidence. Um, but does it does it have a counter? You know, does it have the the opposite effect when you have a line that's not getting leverage on fourth and short, and you know you got a bunch of guys on the ground and, and a person getting tackled in the backfield, right? Um, you know, goal line when you go Savion red zone um, three straight times and they know what's coming. You know, I get it. You want to go out and you want to believe and you want to out physical and you want to have a little bully ball. Um, but that might not be how the team is set up for success, right? So I, I think you might be right and you might be onto something there, Gerald. Um, just about, uh, I don't think we're in a Jimbo situation where it's like, take the sticks away from him. He's, he's gone rogue. I just think it is very tough. I think it is very tough to manage all the parts of a game um, and to, to, have, uh, to have full accountability when you also just have full accountability right you have full accountability on every decision uh and every offensive decision on a on a team that you know we think of this team as being offensive led this was a, a game where they most certainly uh were defensive led right and and i have a couple more notes that i'll, I'll empty out of the notebook on the defense that i, I didn't get out but uh, yeah i mean anything else on the the offense uh, Besides, let's see what malik game two looks like and you know start calling for malik game two looks like yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk more about this on Thursday, but 
Um, open the damn thing up a little bit. I think let Malik show off that big arm a little bit more, test the defense deep. I think, um, you know, Kansas State is going to probably give you some of that. They're going to – if 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 I'm a smart defensive coach, I'm going to say, okay, I'm not going to let Jonathan Brooks beat me. I'm going to make this freshman and his – redshirt freshman and a second start beat me. And so uh, probably not running into many honest boxes. And so um, there are – I'm just going to say this, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's not a team – with enough defensive backs to cover everything Texas can put on the field. Um, and so I'd love to see split out Adonai, split out Xavier Worthy, have Whittington underneath, have a Jonte Cook on the field, have another, you know, a threat. You got Jatavian Sanders as well. So, like, you know, just spread it out and let him fly the ball a little bit, you know. So I think that's something I hope to see. We'll talk more about it on, uh, on Thursday as we preview BYU. So, Gerald, before we, we move too, too far, a couple uh, defensive things. Jade Barron, want to shout him out. He's the he's the best player on this Texas team. I, I now feel confident saying it. Offense, defense, special teams, um, doesn't matter. Um, the past two weeks, he has seven targets. He's allowed three catches for two yards. Uh, he has four defensive stops, two pass breakups. Um, on those plays, he's, he's, he's just so good. There was, you know, another early play where it's, you know, any other play, it's tough for, for, for an opposing offense because you get the matchup you want. Maybe it's a tight end. Maybe it's even a lineman uh, out on Jade Barron. It doesn't matter. He will get leverage. He will get position. He will make an open field tackle through a block, right? He will set up uh, on his inside shoulder, keep his, his outside shoulder, you know, free and in position and end up making the tackle. Like just great positioning, great awareness, situational awareness, you know, makes the place like it's it's so simple but it's it's so incredible um to see texas you know the recipe was laid bare by dana holgerson we joked a little bit like just mash the same three plays if texas can't stop them it seemed texas stopped them because byu certainly ran some of those concepts but they seem to be a little bit more um a little bit more ready for them right i i think uh uh they kind of had a lot of their success dinking behind the line when nothing was there, right? 13 passes uh, were completed behind the line of scrimmage for 32 total yards. That that kind of um, uh, floated Slovis's 25 for, for 40, right? He's, he's a sub-500, sub-50% sub uh, passer uh, if you take that out, right? It just wasn't there uh, for him all day, which is which is tremendous. Love having Ryan Watts out there as well uh, with the defensive backs. I... I, I think he's been badly needed and i think he will be badly needed in in the weeks to come but i mean you're looking at a defense that that had 12 tackles for loss 10 hits uh on the quarterback and then we mentioned the two interceptions the uh the strip sack to seal the game um I specifically remember, and there was a penalty in there, but Jonathan Brooks making the play to run down after the the interception, run down and make the tackle, nicking himself up a little bit in the process, but but making just a an incredible football play, and then. Texas defense coming back and getting an interception on the ensuing uh, play and, and getting the ball back, right? Like, that's that's your, like, hey, we got a freshman quarterback. We're going to go out. First game, we got you. Don't worry. We'll get you. We'll get it back. Don't worry. We'll get it back. Like, that's like Ray Lewis with those Ravens teams, you know? It's like, oh, you made made a mistake, something. Oh, we'll get it back. Don't worry. Like, that that level of defensive confidence, I, I mean, I... I mean, not even, not even so. It's just, it's just uh, dominating football, right? I think, uh, I think it was. I think the defense. This was one of my my favorite defensive performances of the past. Uh, you know, maybe the Sark era. 
Yeah, I I can't fault you for that. I think it was one of the better defensive performances we've seen. Uh, speaking of defensive performances, uh, Gerald's gaining some ground in the Podstradamus <laughs> picks brought to you by prize pick so uh close the gap seven to six and a half closest it's been this late in the season in a long time uh kyle missed on the greater than 42 touches for the texas running backs they finished with 40 sorry about you kyle um, but texas did win the turnover battle that was a backdoor cover for you but that's okay um on that last strip sack from justice finkley you got you owe that man a beer or something i don't know if he can how old is he probably drink at this point buy him a buy him dinner or something um i hit on my two pots drivers picks texas had two rushing touchdowns that one was also a late backdoor cover thank right. you Jaden blue and then texas averaged more than 20 yards per punt return uh hit on that one very early because again xavier worthy uh returned a 74 yard punt return the 10th longest in program history uh which is just absolutely incredible yeah it, look in in two for one for you that that really worked out there the uh the long Jaden Blue touchdown, which shouts to him. Great, great, uh, great run. Great second gear from him. But that got you your second rushing touchdown and also ensured that they wouldn't run the ball two more times, which if he goes out of bounds at any point, absolutely happens. And I cover and you don't on that one. But that's okay. It's all good. I like I like this being okay. being close. Uh, great, great pick, Gerald, on the special teams. Um, what a what a day to, to put it on a more the you know, incredible play. But I just want to shout out for a moment. Coach Jeff Banks and the entire special teams, like they were, yeah. they were elite. Their their coverage, they had multiple where it's like five yard returns on on punt returns and kick returns. Their tackling, you know, was phenomenal. Obviously, the blocking on the punt return, like just a a, a aces special teams day for a unit that started so great during the year, regressed a little, you know, in a couple games, um, and then I think you know we've said has the the potential to be a, a game changer. Gerald called it. Obviously, in this one, I will be curious to hear going forward who's who's willing to bet on the uh, bet on the special teams because it's honestly not a bad bet the way they're playing not a bad bet at all so Texas again takes care of business against BYU moves to seven and one on the year best start since that national championship run way back when Kyle and I were still young men so we'll be back on Thursday to preview the Kansas State Wildcats. If you can't wait until then to hear that, you you can check out me, Gerald, your co-host on the Cocaine Willie podcast uh, on their YouTube channel and on your podcast feed. We did a preview of the game. It's a good time. I like those folks. Uh, good Kansas State people. Nice, good podcast. And that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. And we're actually going to stick with the football team. This came out after we recorded our Thursday show, which it is what it is. But five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo finally pulls the trigger and commits to Texas. Long been rumored to be a Texas lean, but then uh, things got a little bit dicey. The man, the myth, the godfather himself, um, Steve Wiltfong, put in a prediction that he would go to Missouri. And Wiltfong is very rarely wrong, but he was in this event. He honestly probably would have flipped it, his crystal ball, but it seems like the family asked all the writers not to do it. The number five player in the 247 uh, sports rankings, number 24 in the composite. I need to figure out what on three doesn't like about him. And I say doesn't like, he's still a top 50 player in on three. But uh, the other three services have him as a top 20 player. Uh, number 24 in the composite, number two wide receiver overall, 6'3", 205, and a 10, 500 meter. Yeah, this is a, uh, a player, I'm going to make the joke, Gerald, that... Uh 
I thought you you can't get um, Mizzou five star kids in the era of NIL. That's what OU fans told us, and they were. Um, That's what I heard. They, the streets are saying they had the the receipts drawn up from us making fun of uh, them not getting a five star who who committed to Mizzou over them. Couldn't be us. Um, the the uh, the word came out after after the commitment that this was a silent after Wyoming. Um, but he still, you know, was interested in, in, um, I'll just say there's a weird kind of Mizzou fan thing going on. Stop it. If you're a Mizzou fan listening to this podcast, a, okay, nice to have you, uh, and, and B, uh, yeah, stop it. Why, why is this, uh, this weird energy of like asking his dad weird pointed questions if, you know, he's letting down the state of Missouri and, and I don't know, just, just. Stop it. Let the kid enjoy um, this. If he chooses to flip back to Missouri, that you know, so be it. Let them continue to recruit him. But I like to think this kid is locked in, um, ready to to come into the Sark offense, ready to uh, be the next great weapon at, at, at wide receiver. We have a couple on campus already, but we are losing a lot at the end of next year. So might be a player who is asked to contribute, you know, in his first or second year uh, in a big way. So we'll, we'll see when he when he gets here. But an exciting, exciting commit. Five stars uh, in the wide receiver room are are tremendous, right? Sark is, is doing the thing uh, between him and Jonte Cook, two of the highest rated uh, receivers in the modern era have made their way to the 40 acres. Like it's uh, it's a it's a big deal, and that will you know lead to production in a couple years as those guys get into this offense. I'd prefer to see probably a, another portal addition as well, somebody older. Um, but having you know Ryan Wingo and Jonte Cook as your like backfill for Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell is not a bad situation to be in. Oh, and there's some other uh, incredible talent in that room as well. But yeah, um, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Malik Murphy or Arch Manning or, you know, probably not Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn Ewers is gone regardless. Um, I think they're stepping into a pretty incredible situation. And what another incredible situation. Number five, Texas Volleyball sweeps Baylor thanks to a Thursday night reverse sweep and then a full sweep on Friday. Maddie Skinner led the charge with 40 kills on the weekend but texas absolutely finding its stride undefeated in conference play yeah and uh, i think this is the last ranked team currently on their schedule in the big 12 slate um not to say that any game is easy in the conference or that you know of course they'll be favorites but uh this was kind of the last big hurdle to see if they can finish out after a, a slower start to the season they're now 16 and 3 they seem to be um getting it going i mean it started the the thursday game was a tough one went all the way to the fifth uh, the fifth set after losing the first two to baylor they they rallied back and won three and then won the next three six in a row basically three of them thursday three of them friday and uh no surprises here uh maddie skinner was incredible 22 kills three aces 19 digs on the thursday 18 kills uh, and five digs on friday um you know I like this team. I like a little fight, like a little adversity. Uh, man, just go sweep out the rest of the conference and uh, feel good. Uh, bully a little bit. Feel good about yourself heading into the, uh, the the postseason. Absolutely. Get right, get tight, and get ready to go. On the road at West Virginia for this next one as they close out. Uh, continue to close out conference play. Uh, looking like the top seed in the top seed in the big 12. Uh, speaking of Big 12 championships, number six men's cross country finishes third at the Big 12 championship. The ladies play seventh. Both of those, I believe, are improvements over a year ago, which is absolutely incredible to think about in Texas. Um, had 
I think it's a solid outing in the first year of having a full-time cross-country coach. Yeah, that's right. And I think, uh, you know, this is uh, Devin Hart who came in, has led in every single race this season, uh, will be someone who's uh, single-handedly whittled down that number uh, where they were, you know, high double digits last year to get that to number six, right? This is a... um, a good unit that that has a chance, especially like I said, Hart, um, not to have to night and, and Roger Revere can't as well. Also, all Big Twelve performances from them, but um, will be Devin Hart will be the one to watch uh, as they head to the uh, South Regional Finals, and then of course the the NCAA's. Yeah, so the South Regional is coming up next week in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, they'll be uh, hopefully sending some folks to get some points for the directors. Cup. Swimming, swimming and diving shows well at the 2023 Pan Am Games. Uh, Texas had multiple medalists in this one, um, including a couple of golds. Yeah, Jake Foster led the competition with four gold medals in all four of his uh, uh, events that he competed in. Kelly Pash had five medals, two of them gold. Uh, a couple other medalists uh Texas X Dakota Luther had gold. Braden freshman Braden uh, Tavasolo won silver, finishing just behind Jake Foster. About a dozen other medals around there. It was a good showing. Uh, it did also influence a little bit of the uh, the dual meet, which was uh, we'll talk about in a moment, but highly anticipated with some of those performers still uh, down there at the Pan Am Games. Yeah. So without a bunch of its top players, Texas falls both the number seven women and the number seven men in the season, both the anticipated dual meet to UVA. Uh, They competed in something called the super finals, which is very cool in Texas still put up a solid showing in spite of missing a bunch of their um, key contributors, key swimmers, key competitors. Um, But UVA is probably going to win the national championship this year. Um, at least on the women's side, I think the men, I mean, they're both going to be in competition, but UVA is the team to beat. Certainly the women's side, the reigning champs, they're they're pretty far ahead of everybody. I mean, this is number one versus two on the women's side, right? The women, um, it was a question of if can, can Texas uh, challenge, and it looks like they have a lot to, to make up through the rest of the season if they want to get back. Um, UVA did dominate kind of both of these. The, the, the first day of the men's was very close, second day not so much, and then they won soundly in both days on the women's side. So um, again, you're, you got to look at your, your competition before the uh, the postseason, but now you know what you need to make up uh, in the next uh, next month or two before you get to the postseason there if you want to uh, send Eddie Reese out with some uh, some hardware in his final year uh, and continue the uh, the climb for the program on the women's side. Eddie needs to jump in the pool one more time. Quickly, Micah Braswell uh, wins the singles title at the ITA Regional Championship, while the Texas women open the Big 12 tournament with a 3-1 to one quarterfinal win over West Virginia. Uh, yeah, the West Virginia win, they got up 3-0 early, um, let one late in. It was one of only two shots, not shots on goal, but shots that West Virginia had, but I guess that's efficiency. Uh, it was nasty, 40-degree 40 40 weather. Um, some of that same weather made the uh, the Round Rock location uh, uninhabitable, so they moved the whole uh, tournament to Mike Myers, uh, which is good for the, the Longhorns from a home uh, perspective, but... Uh, even better was Lexi Misimo becoming the third Big 12 player with 50 career assists. Um, she had a brace in this one as well as assisting the Byers in the first half. 
Hopefully, Texas gets the advantage of some of that weather on Wednesday as they take on top seed Texas Tech in the semifinals. Uh, that should be another good one for Texas. That was an exciting match the last time they played. Speaking of unnecessary excitement, number 18, men's basketball, took on St. Edwards in the exhibition, struggled in the first half, actually trailed at halftime, but poured it on late. Texas pulled away um, in what we're calling the Rodney Terry celebration at the mood. Yeah, this one just wrapping up as we're recording this. They ended up winning big, winning by, I think, 20. Um, I had it, yeah, it was not, not closely. I had it on the background as a recording, but the, uh, the the first half was a little bit interesting, right? They uh, uh, First of all, no Lance Blanks, which is just you know kind of a somber moment to see Bruce Bowen calling this game with Lowell. Um, it will be a weird season with no Lance. Um, thought about him a lot. But yeah, trailing it half was was interesting. They they uh, Their opponent, St. Ed's, came out and said, we're a good team too, Dra- drained a bunch of threes. But to Texas's credit, um, they, they came out in the second half and really poured it on. I think they opened up on a 12-1 run. Um, they also scrimmaged Colorado, who looks to be a, a pretty decent team, um, kind of in a, I don't know if it's a close to a scrimmage, but, you know, non-televised scrimmage anyways. Um, and Terry came out of that one basically saying uh, secret scrimmage is what they called it. Um, looking for more uh, transition defense. And it looked like Texas was, uh, especially in the second half, ready to run uh, and, and did pretty well there. So it, th- there's some things to work on. It certainly looks like a team that's still... Um, still coming together like a bunch of portal players and guys who didn't play together last year still gelling as well as again this will be a much different team with both uh Shedrick and Dylan to back they're basically missing their two best bigs so the first month of the season you know they just need to go win games out talent get healthy and and then you know they'll they'll have be ready for big 12 play hopefully with with a full roster healthy and available Yeah, they'll be in the championship tomorrow since we're recording this on Monday. When you hear it, it will be today. Uh, they beat number five, Georgia Tech, and also beat Pepperdine 2-1 to one each um, to advance to that championship. The most interesting uh, story of the weekend was Georgia Tech freshman quarterback. Colston Brown golfed uh, Monday for Georgia Tech before heading back to to practice with the uh, with the football team who takes on UVA this weekend. Um, but got to fly out to Cypress Point, which is uh, number three on Golf Digest's uh, top 100 courses in the world. This is the Pebble Beach uh, course. Um, pretty stinking cool. Uh, just like yeah, I'm a quarterback at Georgia Tech and also uh, I play golf sometimes when they need they only have 10 players they needed 11 for two different tournaments they were playing this weekend so call the third string quarterback and let him golf pretty pretty sweet week um, if he somehow gets in the UVA game and does something this will be um, this will be proof that that uh, you know this is all a simulation and some people get more tokens than others I would love to see 
Colson Brown and Arch Manning tee off against each other. I feel like Arch probably has a pretty decent golf game. That brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, you know, there, there could be a case made that Texas, you know, DBU has been thrown around um, lately and, and where they currently sit uh, could be running back you. There was a lot of consternation about Correctly. Uh, about a, uh, a graphic that showed um, some of Texas's all-time great running backs. And, and there was a lot of great ones up there. They just picked the Doak Walker winners, which Texas has uh, quite a few of those. But they left out guys like Priest Holmes and uh, Chiefs like Priest Holmes and also Chief uh, Jamal Charles, guys who lit uh, certainly the NFL and and, and the college world uh, ablaze as well. Uh, but yeah, so RBU, sure. DBU's been thrown around. But something that's that's been often overlooked in, in Texas is, and I've said it on this podcast, you could make the argument that Texas is, is defensive tackle you, right? It's been a long time yeah, since they, they've had defensive edge uh, players uh, when we think back to the glory days, they had those. You know, it's been a little while that they've they've run dry. But even in the the leaner days, Texas has put defensive tackles in the NFL. Malcolm Brown, the the big one, uh, Malcolm Roach, who's who's currently playing. Uh, there's a certain guy, formerly the Seahawks, now with the Bills, Gerald. Uh, what's his name? Puna. That's right, Puna Ford. Um, you know, we we're looking at uh, a current crop of, of Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, currently the two highest uh, graded uh, defensive tackles in the Big 12. Number one and number eight in the entire country, Tavondre Sweat, number one, um, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, credit, of course, to Bo Davis, who was here for a lot of the, you know, the, the older school guys. Hashtag Bo Davis was right. And you could, yes, he was, absolutely. You can go all the way back, of course, to your Casey Hamptons. And I mean, you, you can literally list off probably 15 uh, NFL defensive tackles who, who were tremendous uh, on the 40 acres as well. It's it's an underrated position in the game of football, but certainly I think for the way Texas sits in it. But Keandre Coburn, um, who recently went to uh, the Broncos, who was with the drafted by the Chiefs, um, and Moro Ojimo were guys who were, you know, 123rd and 390th, like good, good players. But they're both guys who got drafted, um, and that's, you know, a credit to Bo Davis. And then you look at Brian Murphy, who's the 393rd ranked player in his class, and Tavondre Sweat, the 605th highest ranked player in his class. Like, those are dudes, and we knew that when they came in here. But some credit has to go absolutely to the coaching, and like Gerald said, Bo Davis was right. He wants dudes. He wants dudes who are mean, angry, hungry. Um, the strength of this team, when we couldn't figure out how they'd get edge pressure, we couldn't figure out how they'd stop the run. The answer to a lot of things this year has been the play of the defensive tackles. You saw it against BYU when they just erased one part of the game. You saw it against U of H, honestly, when they erased that part of the game. Um, right now, it is the best position top to bottom on the University of Texas football team. And it's time to zoom out and say, it's nothing new. We are... DTU saying that it's the best position group is not a controversial take, but when you've got Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter, and Jaden Blue at running back, or you've got Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, uh, at wide receiver, you've got multiple five stars, you've probably got two NFL tackles and three NFL linemen. Um, heavy praise, and it's not 
wrong, not wrong at all. So I'm banging the drum this week on uh, something that's weird and it makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm just going to say you and I had a great time watching uh, separately, but, you know, enjoying emotionally together, Kansas beating OU. Uh, it was great to watch. It makes things potentially a little weirder for tiebreakers at the end of the year, but that's fine. Whatever. Went out and let other things worry about themselves. Um, you know, college football is great because it's passion and fans are invested. And, you know, occasionally over a game like that, you know, what happened is you know, the fans storm the field and they rip down the goalposts and they throw them in the lake. Like, that's what makes college football incredible and part of it and you know i was part i was on the wrong end of a field storming i was uh, at the texas tech michael crabtree game in which the texas tech fans stormed the field for that big win but even like being there as you know a dejected texas fan was awesome i got to be a part of one of the great events in college football history full stop um but there's been this trend over the last several years where fans storming the field are not there to celebrate their team but they're there to mock harass and try to rile up opposing players um and there's a couple of things i want to share here one um not enough people in this world have been told to say it with their chest and um it shows in situations like that but i also um and this is where the praise for the the ou player there's a there's a fan getting pretty close and pretty aggressive and saying some things to lv bunkley shelton who's a guy who i honestly wanted in texas uh but he ended up at ou um and he lv for his to his credit just kind of kept it moving kept his head down um and and didn't really react it's so good on the kid for not reacting but i'm gonna say this and this is probably gonna be controversial um, and like, this isn't how I would coach my kid, but it's how I feel about it. Like if you go onto that field, um, and you get in a player's face and you get a little too friendly and he folds you like a lawn chair, I'm still in the player's corner. I will still like, that's on you. Like you went into their space and you acted a fool and you know what? You shouldn't have, you know, it's some, again, you there, the Mike Tyson always talks about how not enough people have been punched in the face. Um, and I don't necessarily, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not one to be, like, just go out there and beat people up randomly, but like, if it gets to a point where, you know, we saw it last year at Texas tech where a fan just absolutely like damn near assaulted a Texas player when they rushed the field um, after that game. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a time and a place uh, for that. So I, I'm not saying don't rush the field. I'm saying the opposite. I love rushing the field. I think it's beautiful. It's pure. It's one of the incredible things about college football um, and college sports in general. But if you go out there, you're there to celebrate with your team, not be a douchebag to the other team. Yeah, there, it's it's a uh, it's not at all different than our greater society having the the erosion between things you you know you say directly to someone's face versus things you say behind a keyboard. I think the uh, social media has basically made a bunch of brave people uh, feel very confident breaking social mores in a way that just wouldn't have made sense ten or fifteen or twenty years ago, right? Big giant guy, pretty upset he just lost a game. You don't get in his face. You don't push him again in the tech example. Like you're asking for someone to retaliate because you're, you know, being thoughtless and being a troll in real life. Um, you're right, Gerald. It is, I mean, it's going to end and it's going to be sad. It's going to end with one of these little trolls going up to, you know, a large emotional 22 year old who just lost a close game in overtime and, and, you know, doesn't have time for it and they're going to end up in the hospital and it's, it's not good. I don't condone violence, but I, I also don't condone like just 
be decent. I don't know. I don't know how hard that is to ask. Like, just stop being troglodytes. Stop being the worst. Um, just, like, be normal. Like, that's it. <laughs> Kyle's asked for humanity 2023 and beyond. Just, just be normal. Just relax. Chill out. Like, don't be the worst. Humanity be normal challenge difficulty level impossible. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday previewing the Texas-Kansas State matchup, one that, again, still gives Kyle and I PTSD and nightmares about Ron Prince. I'm also on the Cocaine Willie podcast doing the same thing with our friends over there. Great show, great fun. I think you'll enjoy what we had to say. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until Thursday, welcome. Welcome. Enough cougars for a lifetime.